art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plague, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of Grace Center brings you pure and undiluted word of God from the impeccable throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen. This morning, I want to take us into God's word. And I want to teach on a topic titled, Resurrection. That which upon our faith stands. It's important you understand this message. Because this is the core of Christianity. If you don't understand this message, you will easily get tired of being a Christian. You will easily get tired of serving God. You will often wonder, why Why is it even necessary to serve God? But if you understand this, oh my God. Resurrection, that which upon which our faith stands. I begin from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Actually, we're going to be on that chapter throughout. First Corinthians 15 and verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you first, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Look at that verse 3 again. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. In other words, there is something he received which he now delivered to the people. And then he explained further to say that that thing that he received and delivered is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. I received it and I delivered it. And so the first thing I want to identify here is the delivery of that which is received. I will not explain this now because this is where we're going to end. So I will move on to the next thing, which is number two. And that is the fact that Jesus died for our sins. He says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. How that Christ died. Come on, say Christ died. It's important you understand that. That he died. That he didn't just die for fun. He did not die as a result of old age. He did not die from an accident. He didn't die because death overcame him. He did not die because of diabetes or some uh, ravaging disease or some uh, terminal sickness or diseases. He died for our sins. In God's word translation of 1 Corinthians 15.3, he says, I passed unto you the most important points of doctrine that I had received. 
Christ died to take away our sins as the scripture predicted. He died to take away our sins. You can say that phrase just like that. But when you sit down with that reality of truth that he died to take away our sins then you will find freedom in your life. You will find freedom from sin. You will, you will, you will access the power to overcome sin in your life. Jesus died for our sins. In 1 John 3, 5, it says, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. The reason he was manifested, the reason he appeared, the reason he had to come in the first place, it's because of our sin. He doesn't have to. He didn't have to come. There was no need for him to come. But because of our sins, he was manifested. It was the very reason, the core of his purpose, the reason for which he was born, is to take away our sins. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, the same truth is repeated. It says, he gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. It was the will of God our Father that he would come and die for our sins and take away the sins. Because if he didn't die for our sins, we will all have to die because the wages of sin is death. And I'm not just speaking about physical death, but I'm talking about spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. We will have had no hope. There will have been no opportunity to connect with God again if Jesus didn't come. So when he came and died for our sins, what he did was to overcome the power of sin, which is death, which is eternal separation from God. And so because he came, now I have an opportunity to connect back with God eternally. For the time I'm spending here on earth, which is about 70 to 120 years, is but a fleeting moment in eternity. Eternity is that which will not last. Count 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 million years and eternity has not begun. 1 billion years, eternity is just warming up to start. 200 billion light years, eternity has has not started at all. And so there is a time that is coming after this world in which we are going to be joined with our Father. And that opportunity became a reality because it came to die for you and I. We'll have been doomed. We'll have been lost eternally lost with no hope with nothing to write there there won't be any hope at all once we die out of here we are done for we are eternally separated from god there's no hope of connecting back to our to divinity to god to our maker but thank god because jesus died let me tell your neighbor he died he died are you beginning to understand why he had to die because you you you, you see why 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 did he, he had to die praise god in Second Corinthians chapter 5 or Isaiah 53 verse 5 first of all he says he was wounded he was wounded he was wounded for our transgressions and the, the wound there is not talking about you just taking a knife and, and stabbing somebody or taking a stone and throwing at somebody and then blood flows the Bible says it became one old wound on the cross you couldn't distinguish one wound from the other he was wounded his visage was marred verse 5 says it was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are what we are healed 
In Second Corinthians five fifteen, message translation, the Bible says he included everyone in his death. Come on, say everyone. Everybody is included. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. Did you see that? He included everybody in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. No matter how bad, what bad stuff you have done, no matter how far you have gone, the most depraved of men, the most wicked, base, depraved and terrible Men of this world will be saved only by the utterances of their mouths in accepting Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and personal Savior. Somebody could have gone so far, so lost. You look at him and say, this one, there's no hope of redemption. And yet all he needed to do is to open his mouth and say, I accept the fact that he died for my sins and he will be saved. Is somebody with me? Three people were crucified. Jesus Christ was in the middle. Two thieves. One on the right. One on the left. And one of the thieves was, uh, was, was berating Jesus and said, if you are Jesus, why can't you save yourself and save us? And the other thief says, look, we, 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 we committed some crime. This man is innocent. And Jesus Christ right there, that guy had no opportunity to, to, to say the sinner's prayer. He had no opportunity to go for water baptism. Is somebody listening to me here? No Holy Ghost baptism nobody to lead him to Christ he just said today today because of the utterances because the man recognized that this is the son of God he's dying or as he's innocent he's died for me he said today you will meet me in paradise that's how quick it is that's how snappy it is you could have gone 20, 50, 70 years in derailment in negativity and you can have a turnaround in a moment why? he died he died. You see, his death gave us eternal access. Glory to God. Are you following me this morning? In Titus chapter 2 verse 14, he says he offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. Hallelujah. Let's continue with, with 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 4, the Bible says how that he was buried. He didn't just die. He was buried. He was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So number three thing I want to tell you is that he was buried and he rose again. Can you see that? He was buried and he rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 14. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead. Some people come around and say, well, is there really resurrection? Are we going to resurrect? How can somebody who has been dead for 20 years in the grave will just rise up and resurrect like that? Is there resurrection? Verse 13. He said, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ no reason. And if Christ be no reason, then is our preaching vain. Can you imagine that? All of the preaching we've ever done from Kenneth E. Egan to Kenneth Egan Jr. to Billy Graham to Charles Spurgeon to all of the, all of the patriarchs, all the messages we've ever preached, all the sermons ever preached in this world, all the churches that are established in this world, our preaching is vain if Christ is not risen. And your faith your faith as well is also vain. 
if Christ is not risen. Come on, say Christ is risen. In other words, all of our Christianity, our faith, our message, which we profess, everything is predicated upon the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, message translation, he says, face it. If there's no resurrection of Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. Everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. All the confessions you've been taking, all the prayers, all the fasting, waste of time if Christ was not risen. Amplified Version says it this way, if Christ has not risen, then our preaching is in vain. It amounts to nothing. And your faith is devoid of truth and is fruitless, without effect, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. Verse 15. Not only that, but we will be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All the stuff that, that the G.O. Adeboye has been preaching, Bishop Oyedipo and all of them, lies if Christ was no reason. It's what I've been telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we've passed on to you verifying that God raised up Christ, they will be sheer fabrications if there's no resurrection. So we see that the revelation of his resurrection becomes one of the most important message in the whole of history. The most important. No other message will ever surpass the message of resurrection. In its authenticity, in its originality, in the divine excellence in which it was resurrected, in the accuracy of prophecy, all the words of prophecy that have been prophesied in the Old Testament, all the resurrection revelation, no other message will equal the message of resurrection. He was buried. That's why now you are not yet buried. He was buried. Upon all your enemies did. You are not yet buried. Because he was buried. Isn't it wonderful? So when, see, when the Bible says Jesus rose, he was buried. Why do I, what do I need that information for? That's why you are alive. That's why you are not buried and forgotten. That's why your obituary didn't come out five years ago. Because he was buried. I said he was buried. Glory to God. That is why your destiny is not buried yet. Upon all the mistakes and the errors and the carelessness you've done in time past, you are still here bubbling in Christ because he was buried. Hallelujah to Jesus. He was buried. Number four is the fact that he was seen. He was seen. In First Corinthians chapter 15, I read from verse 5. The Bible says it was seen of Cephas, that is Peter, then of the 12. In other words, resurrection wasn't a fake story. He was seen. Come on, say he was seen. Oh, yes. Resurrection is not a fable or a legend. It's not some uh, movies. It's not a beautiful historical religious piece of story fabricated by some fictional writer with disillusion that doesn't know what to write anything about. Resurrection is real. It's not a piece of religious hallucination. He was seen. Come on, say he was seen. Look at verse 6. After that, he was seen of above 500, 500 brethren at once. It wasn't just one person saw him. We're not really sure. No, he was seen. 
resurrection was a, is a fact, was a fact and is still a fact. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. And as at the time this scripture was being written, this is over 20 years, less than 25 years after Jesus died. He said, those that saw him, some of them are still alive. He said, but some are dead. Verse 7, after that he was seen of James. Just, not, just, not just one person or two people. And after that he was seen of all the apostles. He said, and last of all, he was seen of me also. As one, born out of due time, on his way to Damascus, on his way going to arrest Christians, Jesus encountered him. Fell down from his horse. Bright light shone from above. This, Jesus told him, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So, Apostle Paul too saw him. Hallelujah to Jesus. And let me add that I saw him as well. Glory to God. I was 19 years old. Now I saw in a vision, I saw the sky broke open. Saw Jesus Christ descend from the sky. And in a moment of time, I was standing before him. His eyes rolling. Wells of love. I could describe him. Wearing a blue, a blue, uh, white cloth with a blue cloth draped around his shoulders. With golden sandals. And his eyeballs were rolling and rolling and just rolling. So much depths of love. And, and this, this kind of sparks were coming out of, out of his eyes and hitting me all over. And I was weeping profusely till I woke up. The next, after I woke up, two hours after I was still weeping on my bed. Glory to God. He was seen. Come on, tell your neighbor he's alive. <laughs> Glory to God. Number five, without resurrection, we are all doomed. Without resurrection, there's no hope for you. Doomed. Finished. First Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. You see the way it's kept on mentioning sin and sin and sin? Because one of the principal reasons he died is to free us from sin. He said in verse 18, Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ are perished. Not only those of us that are alive are in trouble. Those that have died believing that there's one Jesus, that one day there will be a resurrection. Those that have died 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samson, Joshua, all the patriarchs we have in the scripture, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Hosea, all of them are perished. No hope. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know the reason why some people are careless with their Christian life is because they feel that this resurrection message, this faith message, this Christian life is all about here. I have news for you. It's not all about here. Apostle Paul said, if it's all about here, that the whole thing ends here, he said, we are miserable. Come on, tell your neighbor, it doesn't end there. In fact, here is just a place where you're supposed to decide for what is going to take place eventually. Are you still with me? 
Listen to the way message translation puts it. It says, if Christ wasn't raised, then all of you are do all then all you are doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they are already in their graves. He was if, risen. Did he rise up? Some of you are not sure. Did he rise? Yes, he did. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, after Paul said all those things, and I said, but now it's Christ risen from the dead. Glory to God. That's why we are still alive. That's why you are still alive, people of God. See, the realm of the spirit is busy with activities. As a young man, just gave my life to Jesus and rededicated my life. God will open my eyes into the realm of the spirit. And I will see demonic beings full of hatred and wickedness. You see, when you see a fellow guy uh, who for one reason or the other, maybe for religious purpose, takes his fellow, a fellow man or fellow neighbor or fellow human being and puts knife on his neck decapitates his elder all in the name of religion or takes him, ties him up puts petrol on him and set him on fire that's not just that guy operating, those are demonic principalities controlling him hatred, demons of hatred now now, now you, you, you can't see these demons but they can see you it looks like unfair equation. But it's not unfair because you have the Holy Ghost. Number two, he rose. He died. He rose. All they can do is look at you. They can't do nothing. Unless you cooperate with them by going into sin for which Jesus died. See, the reason for which he died is to set you from sin. He set you free from sin. If you go back into sin, you are cooperating with the devils. You open up yourself for attacks. But if you embrace the fact that is the is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you embrace it in your life, you are free. Is somebody with me? You have dominion over these demonic powers. Since some men exercise their dominion over demonic principalities, years ago they were casting out a demon from a brother. Were casting out demons and all the pastors were screaming and shouting and get out in the name of Jesus out out the demon refused to go the demon was arguing with them saying I'm going nowhere and then this man of God who's been looking at them for a long time came around he was drinking coke and biscuits he was taking biscuit and coke he came he said hey you my name is so so person he didn't say the name he said my name my own name you know, demons know your names. He said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Told seven sons of Sceva. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Beat them up. Say, you are not known in the realm of the spirit. That man of God came and said, my name is so, so special. Now, out of him. And that's it. That was it. That's exercising dominion. One man of God went to a place in, the, in a particular uh, uh, community to minister the gospel to them. And there was so much demonic activities. All those things you see in movies, they were happening in that community. Tables moving. Chairs moving on their own accord. 
all kind of dem- it was it was intense and this man got into that city and he rented a particular house the house downstairs and upstairs and he was sleeping upstairs in the middle of the night he had some terrible noise downstairs so he came down to check what is going on and he saw that demons were operating moving his tables chairs scattering everything upside down he said what is this he said in the name of jesus you devil get out of here and immediately the devil left and then he saw that who is going to be arranging table and chairs he went said in the name of jesus come back here and rearrange this place and before you know it everything went back to his place they come that fell down everything and said now get out of here and that's dominion that's resurrection power is somebody with me one man of god in washington dc john g lake got a group of people together and for weeks he was teaching them about this resurrection power how the resurrection power in your system will drive away every sickness, every disease, every germ. And not only that, you can transmit this power into somebody who is ill or sick or diseased and that person will be healed. Taught them for weeks. Then after I taught them for weeks, he called all of them and gave them a bottle of anointing oil each. And he said, now go into town and empty hospitals. So they went. You know what happened? They empty one hospital after the other. The government of the time said Washington DC became the healthiest state in the whole world. The, the hospitals broke down, closed up. Nobody was sick again because some people recognized the kind of power and the anointing, the resurrection power that flows on their inside. Is somebody with me? John G. Lake was, was, was in, in, uh, was in South Africa and there was a, Breakout of a plague, bubonic plague, similar symptoms with Ebola. Nobody could, could touch those people. They were dying in their hundreds because nobody could touch them. But once you touch them and their spit touches you, you become infected and you die also. So no, the people were afraid to bury them. And so it was becoming a plague and an epidemic. So the British people sent their people with kids and protection to come and rescue their people and help them, you know, clean up the place. So they came and then they were trying, they, of course they were kitted and all of that. They were burying these people and John G. Lake joined them with no protection, no kids and nothing. And they looked at him and said, hey, you're going to die? He said, no, I'm not going to die. He said, what do you mean? He said, I have resurrection power. This thing can't can, can be infected. He said, prove it to us. He said, alright, I'm going to prove it to you. He said, get his, they, he said they should get the speed of somebody who just died. I said, ah, this guy, you really want to die this morning. So they got it, said they should observe it under their microscope. They did, and they saw live jams swimming. He said, put it on my hand. They put it on his palm. He said, observe it again. When they saw it again, all those jams were dead. He said, so what happened? He said, the resurrection power. Glory to God. Some of us don't know the kind of power that we carry in our body. This resurrection power. He said, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus Christ from the dead be in you, it will quicken your mortal body. In one of the meetings of Jaco, they brought a man who had growth on his face. It was like having two heads. Cancerous growth on his face. The man got off stage. And you'll expect that they will lay hands on him and pray for him and say, go in the name of Jesus and then recover. No. 
Resurrection power was in operation. Laid his hands on his face and yanked off the tumor. Off his face. Threw the tumor on the ground. New skin. First of all, look purplish in color. Before you knew it became like baby skin. The guy was totally healed. It's a resurrection power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, say resurrection power. Number six, resurrection is the hope that keeps us going. That's why I'm still in ministry today. It's because of resurrection power. That is why I left all as a young man, graduated from Ogun State University. That's why I left all, resurrection power. Without it, you're on your own. Are you here with me? So when you see somebody who is, who is a ministry and you're like, how, how, why, why would, why would this, how did this person make this decision? Ah, you must be courageous. You must be bold. Wow. There is something within. It's resurrection power. Are you following me? Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 30. Apostle Paul says, why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I would do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah Jesus? Do you see what he said? Do you think I'll keep on doing this if I'm not, if I don't have a guarantee that one day I will be resurrected as a result of the resurrection of Jesus? See, the guarantee of my own resurrection is the resurrection of Jesus. He said, that's why I, I do all of these things. You see, Mary Slessor left his country, came over to Nigeria in, 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 in the Calabar city. In a place, in a time when there was cannibalism. You don't want to try it. When they were eating people, killing twins, she left all and came. She developed fever. Went back, treated herself, and came back again. What kind of conviction is that? It's resurrection power. Is somebody with me here? Pa G. Elton was in his country when God showed him and spoke to him and said, Go to Elisha, a white man. He didn't even know how to pronounce it well. But he got the spelling, Elisha. He, t- he looked for the map. He said, where is Elisha? He said, there's no Elisha in the world. I wasn't on the map there. But God told him, go here. Elisha, go there in Nigeria. Go there. This man left all. Came to Nigeria. Do you know Elisha? Elisha. Go there now. You, you will, if you grew up in Lagos, you won't feel like staying there. So what will it be like years back? But God sent this man, and this man single-handedly raised up people like Archbishop Benson, Dawsa, Bishop Oedipo, and all of them. Why will he leave his country and come? Resurrection power. Mary Slessor died in this country, was buried in this country, left all. Resurrection power. The daughter of Pa Elton took over from her. She's old now. She never got married. What do you think caused all of that? Resurrection power. People that got my tired. Resurrection power. Peter was going to be crucified at his death. He said, no. 
I'm not qualified to die like my master. So they turned him upside down and crucified him. Out of all the disciples, they died. One kind of terrible death of there except John the Beloved. We wouldn't die. Took him, threw me into a pot of burning oil in front of massive crowd. The guy was rejoicing inside the oil. Didn't affect him. What's that? Resurrection power. You have no idea what I'm talking about here. They did all kind of things for him to kill him. They could say, let's banish this guy to the Isles of Patmos. And that was where he wrote, he got the book of Revelation. He died a natural death. They couldn't kill him. Hallelujah. His resurrection power. His resurrection power. So verse 31, Apostle Paul says, I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'll do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah? Verse 32, do you think I was just trying to act heroic? You think I, I'm just being Spider-Man? Or, or, or what's the name of all those things you watch? I'm just being the Incredible Hawk? No! A lot of businessmen, Christian businessmen are succeeding today because of this resurrection power. They have access. He said, it is the Lord that gives the power to get wealth. So it's not just for ministry. It's for every area of your life. Are you still with me? He said, do you think I was trying to act heroic when I fought the wild beast in, at Ephesus? Hoping it wouldn't be the end of me. Not on your life. It's resurrection. Come That's on. why you keep coming to church. That's why you're like, I, I've not had my testimony yet, but I'll still go to church this morning. Why? It's resurrection. Hallelujah. That undergirds what I do and say the way I live. If there is no resurrection, we eat, we drink, the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. In other words, without resurrection, oh boy, kill yourself. Go and die. Without resurrection. Why would people offer to be martyred? See, if you don't, if you don't accept, if you don't denounce Jesus right now, we're going to kill you. So kill me. It's, the, it's because they know resurrection awaits them. If there's no hope, if there's no resurrection, they denounce Jesus. I'm, I'm denouncing already. But because there's a hope, come on, say there's a hope. Resurrection. Come on, shout it. That's why we're all here. That's what's keeping on going. Some of you don't know where the strength is coming from. That's where it's coming from. Resurrection. Number seven. Avoid people who speak against resurrection. Don't let anybody speak against the force upon which all your life and essence stands. Don't let anybody speak against the very power upon which your destiny is standing. In verse 53 of 1 Corinthians 15, he said, but don't fool yourself. Don't let yourself be poisoned by anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good manner. You know how I know my enemies? Anybody that is against the message of resurrection. I can't be your friend. I, can't, I won't even stay with you to argue with you. There is no matter. There is nothing to debate. You don't believe Jesus died and rose? Bye-bye. We can't operate together. Is somebody with me? So that is the... That is, that is the platform upon which everything about our lives stands. Number eight. There's a parallel 
in the natural. In 1 Corinthians 15.35, listen to what the Bible says. He says, some skeptics is sure to ask, show me how resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does this resurrection body look like? Has somebody ever asked you when you're trying to preach Jesus to them, say, have you seen Jesus before? Were you there? Were you there when you rose up? How are you so sure? You realize how absurd it is. There are no diagrams for this kind of thing. <laughs> I know somebody. There are no diagrams. Verse 37. We do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed. Soon there's a flourishing plant. There's no visual likeness between the seed and the plant. No visual likeness. The seed is something so small and tiny. And then you put it on the ground and then you wait and then this mighty tree or mighty plant rises up. There is no correlation. You're trying to explain to a little kid and say, say, say what, what, where, where does this plant come from? And so you go and take a little maize and say, this is it. Say, daddy, uh, uh, why are you scamming me now? Don't scam me, daddy. See, there's no visual correlation. See, that's the way resurrection is. Some people are asking, how is it possible that this body that I have, there will be a change and then I will be transformed? How? No visual likeness. Verse 38 says, you could never guess what a tomato will look like by looking at a tomato seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it don't look anything alike. The dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes from it will be dramatically different. Hallelujah. So you, you can use your natural mind to visualize it. Oh, okay. We'll now resurrect them. We'll now go up. We'll now fly. No, 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 no. There's no diagram. Let me tap your neighbor. No diagram. So what are you supposed to do? Just believe it. Because that's what's going to happen. There will be resurrection. Number nine, resurrection is a higher and superior glory. In 1 Corinthians 15, 40, he said there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Celestial is talking about the supernatural. Terrestrial is talking about here. Verse 41 says, there's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. You can't compare the two. Both of them have the same in, in terms of brightness and intensity. And another glory of the stars. You can't compare those three. For one star different from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Glory to God. You see, you can... You can you, well, there, there was a man that was diseased and, and was seriously diseased was dying, his body was ravaged and he died and somebody prayed for him and he had his experience of being resurrected when he resurrected all those sicknesses and diseases were gone completely sown in corruption raised in incorruption verse 43 it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body. And there's a spiritual body. Number 10. There is a transformation that comes with resurrection. 
Resurrection is a transformation. First Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a, a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Hallelujah. He's talking about rapture here. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. People of God, listen to me. A day is going to come. You might be alive. You might not be. But a day is going to come. The trumpet will sound. An angel will appear in the sky and blast this trumpet that will reverberate all over the planet earth. Is somebody with me? And in a moment, we shall be changed. Our body will be exchanged for that resurrection body. Those that have died and buried in a supernatural explanation you will never understand will jump out of their graves. Handalabasakaya. Are you still with me here? In verse 53, he said, For this incorruptible, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall lead, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. In a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. Number 11, we have victory. We have victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he says, Oh death, where is thy sting? You see, when you embrace this life of Christ, listen to me, people of God, you come to a place, you are no longer afraid of death. See, the moment you are afraid, you are, you are under the fear of death, then you are under the bondage of death and you can die anytime. The way to be free from death is never to fear death. But then, how do you get to a place where you don't fear death again? Out of all the issues in this world, death is the last thing. That you are afraid I'm going to die with that. It's no issue. Death is swallowed. Come and say death is swallowed. Listen to what the Bible says here. He says, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Verse 56. The sting of death is what? Let's say it together. The sting of death is sin. If you see a scorpion, then the, the scorpion stings somebody and then the person's legs got swollen. See, there's something that was transmitted from the scorpion into that human part. That sting. The Bible says the sting of death is sin. And Jesus died to take away our sin. So what he did was that he took away the sting of death. Death is powerless. Did somebody get that? The sting of death is what? Sin. 
But Jesus died to take away our sin. So I'm free from death. The thing of death is sin. Now listen to the next thing. He said the strength of sin is the law. And Jesus already abolished the law. So in verse 57 he said, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Which giveth us the victory. Jesus Christ. Come on somebody, can you shout, I have victory. I have victory. Victory from sin. Victory from sickness. Victory from diseases. Victory from every power of the enemy. We are victorious. Come on somebody, shout hallelujah. We are victory. We have victory. The last thing I want to say, number 12. Be steadfast and unmovable. So after he said we have the victory, he now said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said, therefore, come on, say therefore. In other words, after we have seen the power of resurrection. Therefore, my brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Listen to Amplified Version. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile, it is never wasted or to no purpose. And then in the message translation, he said, with all these going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Let me tell your neighbor, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. In conclusion, we go back to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. He said, for I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received. My question for you this morning is, have you received this resurrection power? Have you experienced it? Have you encountered Jesus? Have you seen his power in your life? If indeed you have received, if you have received that power, can I see you shout, I receive it? The evidence of receiving is in its delivery. I deliver that which I receive. If you receive, you will deliver. You can't keep quiet about resurrection power. You can't see your friends suffering. You have nothing to offer. You can't see your neighbor dying on his way to hell. And you shut your mouth without telling him about Jesus. You can't see people lost and you're not concerned. I delivered that which I received. Nobody gets pregnant and doesn't want to be delivered. When you get pregnant, after nine months, you want to deliver. After nine months, if the delivery is not happening, People begin to wonder, something is wrong. The same way with us as believers, if we have received resurrection power, after a time, if there is no delivery, something is wrong somewhere. There has to be delivery. He says, shall I bring to the point of birth and no cause to bring forth? There has to be delivery. This power has to be manifested. This grace has to be released. Am I talking to somebody? The resurrection power is not for you to receive and sit down in the local assembly doing nothing. The resurrection power is not for you to receive. To just warm your chair Sunday after Sunday doing nothing, offering nothing in the body of Christ. The resurrection power is not to be received.
for you to keep quiet. It has to be delivered. It's like fire. Turn up in the bones. You can't keep quiet when you have received the resurrection power. You can't shut out. You can't just be looking. It has to be delivered. It has to be declared. It has to be said. Somebody has to hear it. How will they hear unless the gospel is preached? It has to be released. It has to be delivered. The evidence that you have received is the delivery. The delivery. If you are not saying anything, something is wrong somewhere. The experience is too powerful for you to keep it to yourself. The message should not stop with you. It must be delivered. You can't carry this power into the grave without releasing it into your environment. You have to fulfill destiny. Resurrection power is not some decoration in your room. It's for delivery. It's to set people free. It's to touch lives. They are not touching life. The reason you are here is not just to be an engineer and then work in some engineering firm and make some money and, and get married and, and give back to 11 children and die at the age of 89. What, what have you done? Where is the delivery? Paul delivered. Apostle Peter delivered. Abraham delivered. Father of faith. Isaac delivered. Jacob delivered. His name was changed to Israel. Joseph delivered. David delivered. That's why we have the book of Psalms today. All the apostles they delivered one after the other. They delivered. They delivered. They did something tangible in their lives. Alexander Dowie delivered. Wigglesworth delivered. A. A. Allen all those people they delivered. Lester Sombra, Kenneth Hagin. They all delivered in their generation. And yet they told us, they prophesied before they died, that the glory of the latter house will surpass the former. In other words, all the things we have seen, child's play. There are some things that will be seen in your generation and in my generation. I delivered that which I received. That which you received is not for you to die with. That which you received is not for you to keep quiet. That which you received is not for you to use to, to, to get married and be cooking beans for, for your husband in the kitchen for the next 25 years of your life. As a housewife, you must deliver. Come on, tell your neighbor, you must deliver. Apostle, your Babalola delivered. He delivered in his generation. And Bishop Bessie also delivered. In Benin City, Bishop Oedipo, they are delivering by the way they are delivering you have to deliver that's what resurrection power is all about they, okay Jesus rose up oh he rose up so that which we have received has to be delivered in your environment in your sphere of influence it has to be delivered reach out to lives around you tell them about Jesus Somebody's suffering from some fever around you. Deliver that which you have received. Say, come, come, come. Let me pray for you. What, what, what if you didn't get healed? Is that your problem? What is that? What does the Bible say? You shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Did he say you will recover them? You must deliver. 
I'm delivering. And part of the delivery process is you. That's why you are here this morning. If I didn't deliver, listen to me, people of God, you won't be in shower of grace center this morning. You'll be somewhere else. So you discover that your delivery is tied to so many lives. Every time you refuse to take that decision, lives are in jeopardy. Every time you refuse to deliver and stir up this resurrection power, it's not just about you. It's about lives. What if Billy Graham refused to deliver? Where are we going to be today? What if Apostle Paul refused to deliver all the epistles we have? What if Bishop Boedeko refused to deliver? What if Babadeko refused to deliver? Look at the kind of crowd in redemption camp. His delivery is tied to so many lives. And yet, as a lecturer in Unilab many years ago, as an unbeliever, nobody could look at him and say, this man has something to deliver. But the moment resurrection power came upon his life, there was a transformation. There will be transformation when Jesus comes, but there is already a transformation now. Is somebody with me? Ordinary men. People you look at and there's nothing to write on about with them. You might even say they are not even spiritual. They don't even look like it. But there's something you are carrying on your inside that has to be delivered. Stand upon your feet this morning. Lift up your voice. Begin to talk to God. I will deliver in my generation. I will deliver. I will deliver. believe you've been blessed. Join us at Shouts of Grace Center on Sundays and Wednesdays at Joker Plaza, Ibadan. God bless you.